Hey, this is Adam Green, creator of the Hatchet franchise and the TV show Holliston, and you are listening to Nightmare Junkhead. In and out of your consciousness like a bad dream you can't wake from, this is the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast, a horror podcast that loves both early and latter-day anthrax. My name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And on today's episode, we're mainlining ID7 as we get inside the mind of one of our favorite genre directors, the one and only Joe Lynch. Mm-hmm. But first, let me remind you, we are part of the phenomenally frightening Phantom Podcast Network. Phantom. And you can find all of our past episodes along with a host of other horrific horror podcasts at downrightcreepy.com. Or if you're like me and you like to listen to us on the go, simply search for Nightmare Junket in your iTunes or SoundCloud app. Hit subscribe, and when we drop our latest episode, it will download directly to your listening device of choice. All up in your mayhem hole. So this is, again, another Panic Fest dispatch here. Yes. And this one... A fest so nice we had to talk about it more than twice. A bazillion times, actually. <laughs> this is our Q&A we did with the one and only Joe Lynch. He's so fucking cool. It's a, This was our first chance to interact with Joe. He was a genuine, a delight, a uh-huh. gentleman, if you will. He was. We had a good a, time. A vulgar gentleman, a vul- but a gentleman nonetheless. <laughs> well, truly one of us. One, one I can respect. <laughs> and so we are going to be uh, putting on here the Q&A we did with him uh, post-screen screening of mm-hmm. mayhem mm-hmm. which is a great fucking movie interestingly enough i've had a really fun journey with this film if you will um mm-hmm. we talk often on the podcast how you can kind of form relationship with films mm-hmm. as silly as that sounds for mm. those of you out there you know what we're talking about yeah exactly. you know what you, you know what i mean and this is and this is a relatively new this is a brand spanking new film uh-huh but i was fortunate enough to see it the first time over at the screenland tapcade that's cool dude <laughs> it was it was phenomenal but it was with just a handful of people but to see it on the big screen was awesome and loved it and then the second time i saw it was technically here your first time yeah my you're like oh you got to see it it's great and i'm like okay cool cool i like Joe lynch Oh, it was fantastic. It, <laughs> I was like, this is funny shit. So we got a chance to see it. It was on demand. Uh-huh. The third time I saw it was when it came out on Blu-ray, and I picked up the Blu-ray because it had a little commentary. had some behind-the-scene features, so I listened to the commentary track. So that's the third time I see it. And the fourth time I see it, <laughs> I finally see it with a crowd full of crazy genre-loving fans. And let me tell you, that's how you need to see this film. Yes. this. You know what? If you can get a chance to see it, it's great on demand and at home, but there's so much crazy shit going on in the background. It's just like, holy shit. It's just there's madness in every single action frame of the of the movie. Would you dare say mayhem? There's mayhem. Mayhem and Now, so go back to our original episode we did where we actually talked with uh, Dustin, Mount Baldy mm-hmm. himself, uh, the movie itself, our kind of our top, you know, Joe Lynch experiences there. Uh, so we're not going to go too depth into detail on the Mayhem screening itself, but the crowd, because... You know, he the crowd itself had like it. You'll in your head in the Q and A had been hyped up. Yeah. Uh, just you know, and I was curious to see how people would react to this film uh, because this is a film that another personal film in the mm-hmm. lineup of Panic Film Festival mm-hmm. in terms of the directors. So it was number one. It was great to have Joe in attendance. Yeah. Just to have him experience people reacting to the film and react. They did reacting well. I mean, people were. He goes. 
he you'll hear it in the Q&A, everybody got all the jokes. And that was the great thing about it. He goes, no, nobody missed a single one. And I was like, they were funny. And the, one of the my favorite parts of the fact, and again, seeing it on the big screen, is I caught a lot of things I've never seen before. Yeah. Uh, because I was looking for certain things, as it were. But you know what I still didn't catch? Little Wicket himself. Yeah, and there was two. Two instances, you guys. So listen to the Q&A, because uh, someone actually saw Wicket during our screening mm-hmm. and i'll give another shout out to our buddy that was on the mayhem thing dustin yep. he also said he fa- he found the second he did he did and uh, verified by lynch he goes you found it so <laughs> it had the joe lynch mark of approval and then a highlight of the panic fest as well was the live taping of the uh, movie crypt podcast mm-hmm. which in and of itself was wonderful because yeah. it's again that's my monday rotation so they were performing for us live it was wonderful it was cool to see him talk and talk to uh, all the guests they had. And, and I'll was... even give you a little peek inside. That was my computer and everything they recorded on. And I've heard it. <laughs> I've heard it already. It sounds good. So I can actually put that. But you want to talk about nerve wracking. Because listen, yeah. we've lost episodes before <coughs> from like for some odd reason, audacity crashing or this or that. So I'll be honest, about halfway through the the recording i'm like oh my god what happens if it crashes i'm gonna you know, i'm gonna be responsible for that and i was worried for you i was just like uh. <laughs> but needless to say everything came out great it was a wonderful recording our friends uh eric and adam or excuse me uh tim and tim adam were there mm-hmm. it was wonderful it was fantastic so yeah again thank you joe lynch adam green for doing yes. this you they those guys are fucking legit real deal real deal yeah. genuine people man mm-hmm. so again support them go out buy mayhem on blu-ray it's well worth it it is now on streaming on shutter yes and you know what i this is why i like joe lynch is he put out another commentary track exclusive to shutter with him and steven yun that is dope that's how you get people to come to streaming with a little bit of extra content like mm-hmm. that oh yeah man that'd be great that's that's a great idea that they do that is really cool. And the fact that, that you can also see like some of the docs mm-hmm. on Shutter 2 show. Mm-hmm. And the fact that's just really a great golden age we live in. Good combination. Mayhem and Shutter. Yeah. Shuttering Mayhem. <laughs> I, I got the shutters. <laughs> like the vapors. <laughs> so again, Blu-ray or on Shutter, you guys. Support it legally, physically. Get out there. Get... Or you will get the ID4. Yes, you will. Mm-hmm. The ID7 will get you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not the Independence Day. <laughs> Joe Lynch via Roland Emmerich. I'm, you know what? I'm waiting for that, technically. You know what? At this point, with the progression, maybe we're getting there. Welcome to Earth. Is that a fucking sigh? <laughs> so guys, please enjoy our little Q&A we did with Joe Lynch. And again, thank you guys for listening to this. And thank you, Joe Lynch. All right. Good God. Are you guys all like hyped up and hyped up like I am after that movie? Little, little do you know, we injected a little ID7 into all of your drinks tonight. So, so if you guys are ready to fuck shit up, let me hear you. Well, good evening to all of you Panic Fest parishioners in the audience, guys. Uh, if you don't know, my name is Greg D. I'm Genius McGee. And we host the Nerds of Nostalgia. And the Nightmare Junkhead Podcast. And it is our pleasure to bring back to the stage. He is a man that wears many a hats. He is the co-host 
of the Movie Crip Podcast. And if you guys don't know, they are recording tomorrow night. And if you are not there in attendance, I don't know what the fuck is wrong with you all right now. Because if right? you are not hyped beyond all belief to attend anything that Mr. Joe Lynch attends, there's something wrong with you. So, ladies and gentlemen, with that being said, put your hands together for Mr. Joe Lynch! Woo! You lived up to the hype. <laughs> Fuck yes. <laughs> Fuck yeah. I bow in your honor. So uh, before we get into anything, because there's so much to ask about this film, the first thing I have to ask for my own personal preference here is was the bull, the bull that was just the most ass-kicking character, was he inspiration from like equal parts Mad Dog from The Raid yes. and Buddy Ravel from 3 O'Clock High? That's where the, 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 the knuckles came from. Okay, the knuckles were totally Buddy Ravel. Uh, what's that? Don't yeah exactly. Don't fuck right. this up, Mitchell. <laughs> Don't fuck this up, Mitchell. Have you guys seen Three O'clock High? It's so great because that like that movie is one of those movies that played like every day on HBO. So it's like everyone got into it. Um, uh, the new Blu-ray just came out on uh, Shout Factory, which is amazing. But uh, what was great about that movie is that. Um, I remember seeing it on HBO, and I was a huge fan of um, After Hours, Scorsese's After Scorsese. Hours. Scorsese. Mm -hmm. I remember, I, this is the level of geekdom that the 12-year-old 12 12-year-old 12 me was back in, like, 86, Let's 87. Oh, yeah, fuck yeah, metal. All right, much better. Uh, but I remember seeing that movie, 3 o'clock high, going, did he just rip off fucking After Hours? Because... <laughs> And on the commentary, the first thing that Phil Joino says is, I ripped off After Hours. I'm like, yeah, geek cred. But yes, that is totally what, uh, where that came from. The, uh, the Brass Knuckles is totally... There's about 102 Easter eggs in this movie. I mean, for all the, the fact that you guys yep. got the half-baked joke, I'm like, right? yes. I went, yes, and then smoke me out after. Uh, like, <laughs> fucking awesome, guys. Thank you. So really quickly, by any chance, did anyone catch Where's Wicket? Yes. Oh, right there in the middle. Jesus. Yes, that is one. One, there's, Holy there's, shit, good there's job. There's two Ewok bombs, but you're going to get... So this is a copy of Mayhem signed by Steven Yeun. Woo! No one ah. has this shit. Yeah. So you ready? But you got to catch it, though. Oh, Jesus. Hold on, wait. There, there. Uh, uh, this is my throwing hand. Oh, so close. I'll give it to him. Fucking A. Just because of that sweet, sweet throw. Oh, that was nice. Thank you. You got it. Uh, that was it. Did anyone catch the second Wicket reference? Anyone? No? Good. All right. It's still out there. So is it still No, you're not allowed to answer. No. <laughs> not, <laughs> not you, Scott. Uh, yeah, so, so um, God, that was such a great reaction. That was so awesome. Uh, it's a very cathartic movie. Uh, can I, I, I should have asked this in the beginning of the, the, the screening. How many people have had a corporate job before? There we All go. All of your bosses are so fucked on Monday. <laughs> Or maybe you should hand them a copy and go, just, this is, this is my response. Let's discuss. Um, but I, you know, I, I think every filmmaker that comes to this festival this weekend or every filmmaker that has a film up here, um, and there's, there's a few that I've, I've seen and there's a few that I'm really excited to see. But in, in the indie world, you have to put everything into your movie. And, and many times... You really do put yourself into the film like in, in exponential ways. And again, like I was saying before, when I read this script, I felt like this was something that I could, I could 
get a little bit more out of a, you know a genre experience than what you're normally used to in, in a way. And and what Matias's script was pushing, and, and this guy is, lives in Chile, so you know he doesn't know about the the American corporate life. When I read it, I'm like, this guy's got his finger on the pulse of exactly every stupid fucking passive aggressive catchphrase. Like that's the biggest thing about this movie and in corporate life in general is just that passive aggressive culture you know where no one wants to just say no or you're wrong or great job it's let's discuss or we'll just put a little pin in that right now or, we'll no, let's sidebar this conversation shut up <laughs> like stop like let's just let's be honest and let's be true and when Matthias came up with this device of having a virus that lets you just say what you want and, and do what you want and not have the tourniquet of culture or, or the tourniquet of passive aggression to hold you back I was like, man, I can have a lot of fun with this. Uh, so, so you know, the, the when after I read the script, uh, I, I talked to the producers, and they're like, I, because I went in going like, I need to make this movie, and they're like, okay, please, like, put put the put the nail gun down, we'll do this. Uh, and, and then when uh, and then all of a sudden we got a phone call one day, and they're like, we got the money. I'm like, and that's every filmmaker's dream is when you get that phone call. And it's like, we got the money, but there's always a but. And it was like, we got the money, but it's not all the money. And I'm like, well, and it was one of those decisions that you have to make as a filmmaker where you say, do I have, you know, I, I have, a, it was about an eighth of what our original budget was going to be. Um, original budget was going to be about 10, and we made this for two. And when you're in that position, what do you do? You know, do you say, no, no, I'll wait for my big budget, 10 million. <laughs> I, that's not going to come, not not in the way that the industry is these days. So I just had to suck it up and say, all right, how can I put the vision that I have in my fucked up brain on screen as effectively and efficiently as possible and, and still get my point across? So, you know, and, and how many filmmakers are in the house tonight? You're all fucking awesome. Uh, but all of you guys know that every dollar counts and time is money and the amount of days that you get to shoot is really your currency when you're making a movie. So, you know, when you when you hear about, like, these Marvel movies that are, you know, oh, yeah, we, we took about eight months to shoot, you're just like, fuck you. <laughs> Whereas, we, you know, in most cases, you know, we get everywhere from, you know, 20 to 25 days. This is the part where Adam goes, ha! Come on. There it is. Because tomorrow when you find out about Victor Crowley's story, you're going to be like, Lynch, you had a lofty. Um, but, but, but we, uh, you know, we, we traveled all over the place to find out where we can shoot this movie um, with, the, with the most amount of days. So we first went to Pittsburgh, and they said, uh, I think it was 16 days, and we went to Vancouver, and they said 17 days, and we went to Nor New Orleans, and they said about 17 days, too. And that's not a lot of time to make something, like, as wildly ambitious as this was. So because I had done Everly in Serbia, and I had such a great time doing it, I'm like, and... Let me just say this now. It's not like I'm going, I need to go back to Serbia. No. No, no, no. Uh, they're great. But it's halfway around the world. And, and it's, it's just a different culture. And the language barrier is, always, uh, you know, is there. Um, but I knew that I wouldn't be able to sleep well at night if I was like, oh, I get, to rest, I get to rest my head in America making this movie for 15 days. Whereas if I went somewhere else, it would, I would put more on the screen. So we talked to them, and they said 26 days. And that the, the difference between a 15 or 16-day movie and a 25 to 26-day movie is night and day. So we did, and we went to Serbia. And, uh, and it was interesting because I, I found out very quickly that Serbia has it, 
it's like that, th that scene in Pulp Fiction where they're like, it's a little differences. You know, it's not a ketchup, it's mayo. Well, in Serbia, they don't have the same staplers. They don't, th their legal paper, their regular paper is longer than ours. So to have to actually have the art department sit there and cut all the paper to American spec, they were not happy, <laughs> not at all. But we wanted to, I wanted to have some feeling of authenticity to this, not just because of like my time there, but I wanted this to connect to people where they could come home from a shitty day at work, st sitting in their cubicle, and feel like they got their aggressions out and not kill their boss the next day. So, so thank all your bosses on behalf of Mayhem. Like, they're all not gonna die on Monday, so. Should HR departments be putting this movie out to should, all the new should hires? should be our part of fucking orientation on those, right. like, those HR days. As long as people don't go in with like one big crazy pink eye saying, I'm gonna fuck shit up, then we should uh, be okay. One thing I wanted to, uh, to mention, plus, Come here, guys. Come on. Why are we like? I feel like we're in a debate. It's we're like, giving you the stage here. No, you know, no, no, no. We're all hanging out here. I'm, I'm right. thrilled that we're all together. Don't touch. Uh, <laughs> Don't touch the town. Don't touch the town. <laughs> um, I and I, I feel. I think uh, Adam agrees with me. Um, we grew up in the age of practical effects. You know, there's something really wonderful about having real, real blood on set as opposed to CG blood is just something just it's tangible if you you feel like the stakes are there as opposed to a bunch of zeros and ones that some dude and with after effects in his basement put in the film uh, and it happens a lot and and you look when you're when you're making a movie for no money a lot of times you don't have the chance to do a cleanup you know so those those precious minutes that you have to go from one shot to the next that 10 minutes you end up becoming Oscar Schindler at the end of Schindler's List. We're like, I could have had just one more shot. Well, what? Too, too soon? Sorry. <laughs> uh, but, but I mean it. Like it, it, The time that is spent on a set is so precious. So sometimes you have to resort to CG. Thankfully, with this, we, we had, funny enough, when we called, when I gave old Serbia a call, it's because it's like one disembodied goes like, hello, we are Serbia, how can we help you? Hey, listen, I want to make this movie. Oh, it's the guy who had all the blood from the last film. So they actually had gallons of blood left from Everly <laughs> that they had in some fucking storage or whatever. Like, oh, guy who has lots of blood, who made crazy movie last time, why don't you come back and we, you, so we actually, so blood from Everly is in this movie. <laughs> I'm very, very proud of that. Uh, I don't know if Selma gets residuals off of that blood from, you know, from there, but, uh, but yeah, we, we, we used a lot of fucking blood on this. And, uh, and the Serbian people, what's great about shooting there is they love making movies. Not to say that, that people anywhere else do, but there's a difference between crews in, like, say, L.A., where they'll just be like, oh, here's a light. I'm going to lunch, you know, and they don't give a shit. Whereas in Serbia, it'll be like, so what do you want? Do you want something with, the, like, low light? Would you like something high? And you're like, you're the PA, dude. You know, it's like, but they're just so invested in making movies because, and, and, and I've, I've kind of subscribed to this logic as well, it's like, you're making choices on set that are gonna be seen worldwide, you know? Um, some of the dumbest fucking shit that I would yell at my actors is in this that, that you guys responded to. Like, you open doors like my grandmother fucks? <laughs> that was something that I'm literally like, right off camera going like, you open doors like my grandmother's box, and she would say it, and now you guys and people around the world are coming to me and quoting that. That's fucking weird. But that's the beauty of cinema, is that we get to have, there's an art form that we can take around the world and show to all of you crazy fuckers and, you know, connect or disconnect. You might love it, you might hate it, but we, we made something and you're watching it, and that's so precious, and that's why, like, it, it really is, even, you know, especially today, 
it's so amazing that you guys would show up because you could have like just stayed home and in your underwear, watched Mayhem on iTunes or D DVD. You still can, and there were a few people here with in their underwear watching the movie. It's uh, the ID7. Sorry. But uh, yeah. Um, but the fact that the theatrical experience is going away, so the fact that like Panic, Panic Fest and, you know, and all the guys like Adam and, and Tim and all the guys here that are championing the theatrical experience and kind of forcing you to come out and see these movies, you gotta, you gotta give them mad respect, you know, because we shot this movie wide, we shot it loud, and, and there's, not too, there's not many venues left that do that. Stop, stop, give, like give them all the love later. Uh, tip, tip your... Uh, the vinegar no. strokes, the vinegar strokes. We're getting there. It's early in the night. So, yeah. So, I'm going to shut up now, and I'll let you guys talk. <laughs> okay. So, you were talking about how you were making not only this one, but one of my favorite new Christmas movies everly of all fucking time in Serbia. <laughs> so, what is it like making a Serbian film? <laughs> Thank you, Adam Green, for telling them to tell this story. <laughs> uh, <laughs> might want to buckle up on this one, kids. Uh, <laughs> So, uh, has anyone seen a Serbian film? Do you, know, you know the notoriety behind the Serbian film? Okay. So, uh, so, for those who don't know, there's this fucked up movie called The Serbian Film. That's about a porn star who uh, is hired by this crazy director to make the, his magnum opus. He blacks out, he wakes up, he watches the footage, and it really is some of the most beautifully fucked up shit that I have ever seen. Uh, there's a movie playing tomorrow night called Low Life that is... See this fucking movie because it's the like more commercial version of a Serbian film. If you want to put that on the poster, uh, but but it 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 gets under your skin. This movie is fucked, and uh, and one of the most notorious scenes in a Serbian film is uh, the newborn porn scene. That's all I have to say for you to g grasp what that scene is. Um, but uh, long story short, so when we were making uh, Everly, I had already seen a Serbian film, and, uh, and, and it fucked me up. So uh, when we went out there, I slowly realized that half of my crew worked on a Serbian film. So whenever you'd mention it, it would be like, oh, say, you, you worked on the Serbian film. <laughs> oh, so sorry. We do not talk about film. They didn't, talk, they, they didn't call it a Serbian film. They just called it film. Uh, but they all worked on it, and it was, it was a very hard and disturbing experience for them. And uh, how many people have seen Everly? Anybody? Oh. You're all getting blowjobs after. Right. Just going to line you up. It's going to be great. Um, so uh, if you guys know, that there, there's The Creeps, which is my big homage to Big Trouble in Little China. Um, uh, <laughs> I'm a reference guy, what can I say? Um, uh, but we, we needed those masks made, and this guy uh, who was kind of like the local effects artist uh, was willing to make them for us. So um, and, uh, he's like, so you come to my pad, I will show you my masks. I'm like, this does not end well, like this scenario. No, this is, this is a cautionary tale if, if there ever there was one. Um, so I go up, do you guys remember Angel Heart? Remember the, uh, like in Angel Heart, they would be going up these creepy elevators? Yeah, that guy had one of those elevators. So I'm sitting there going like, I'm fucking dead. Like there's no way I'm making out of this place, out of this place alive. So I go into his place, and it's, it's like a Fangoria mecca. Like, the guy's got Fangoria posters all over the place. I'm like, yeah, all right, this, guy, this guy's cool. Um, and we start talking, and he's a super nice guy. And uh, he goes, oh, so do you want to see something? <laughs> right away, you know, like, this is going <laughs> to... 
this is not good. So uh, he goes over to a shelf and he, he grabs this thing that's all wrapped up in, in uh, like bubble wrap and he brings it over and he starts to unwrap it. And as he's unwrapping it, I'm going, oh, fuck me, I know what this is. It was the newborn porn baby from a Serbian film. And again, if you've seen this movie, you're, you're, you're probably having jitters right now. Um, the, the, the sad thing about the newborn porn baby was that it, um, it had a hole. And it was requested by the actor uh, playing in the, the guy in the scene with the newborn porn. He's like, I want to, uh, I want to go method. So, yeah, that's, uh, that's life in Serbia, making movies. It's like newborn porn babies all over the place, gallons of blood from other films, fucking cats and dogs living together, pure chaos. Mass hysteria. <laughs> so one of the questions, I got kind of a two-part question, not in a back-to-school 27 parts or anything like that, but uh, you went from Bear McCreary to Steve Moore for your score, so I'm kind of curious what that transition was like. And then also, if you could tell them the uh, origin of the Dave Matthews story between Steven and Samara. Oh, God. Because it's kind of gold. Yes, it is. Uh, it's a lot of gold, very, very expensive gold. Um, <laughs> so, so real quick, so Steve Moore, uh, does anybody, uh, the, you know the band Zombie? Anybody fans of Zombie? Yeah. I, know, I know James is. Um, Z Zombie is one of those, um, is a two-piece synth band. It's kind of like if John Carpenter and Goblin fucked. <laughs> That's essentially what you'd get, and it's fucking great stuff. They have like five or six albums. They're awesome. Uh, I was always a big fan, and uh, when um, I, the, the movies that I had made before, Wrong Turn 2, uh, Knights of Badassdom, Everly, Chillerama, which you'll see tonight, <laughs> I had worked with Bear McCreary, who's done The Walking Dead and Battlestar Galactica and Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. He did Col Nacho's uh, movie Colossal. He's, he's huge. He's, he's one, of the, one of the most talented composers working today. And I'm like, I got him. He's mine. He's my Elfman. And then uh, we showed him Mayhem, <laughs> and then uh, he, was, he loved it, but he was like, dude, I got five movies that I'm doing for, uh, for the Toronto Film Festival. Five. I don't know how I'm going to be able to fit this in. And the last thing I wanted for, for Bear was to shit out a, a, a crappy version of what the Mayhem score needed to be because we knew, I knew that I wanted something synth. I, 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 I was in kind of influenced with, by the, the, if you've ever worked in a corporate office, there is a low-end hum and a digital kind of like weird, there's like weird blips and bleeps when you're in the office early when there's not the commotion of people. That's kind of what the influence was for this. So I'm like, I needed to go synth. But, and, and Bear was totally down with that, it's just time. So luckily, my editor Josh, who uh, was the star of um, Almost Human and the editor of Almost Human, Joe Bigos' movie, The Mind's Eye, he was, um, he was my editor on that film. And uh, he was like, like, after we had that meeting with Bear, it was such a fucking bummer. I'm like, dude, like, the, we're, we're breaking up the band. So he left and I was totally bummed and we went to lunch and Josh was like, hey, why we call Steve Moore? And I'm like, we can? He's like, I got him on speed dial right now. Boop. And by the end of the day, we had Steve Moore. Uh, and again, I, I, I'm such a huge fan of his, so to be able to talk to him and be like, holy shit, we're like, this is happening. And that whole score was done over one weekend over emails. So he would do a cue. He, you know, he sent it to me. I'd like, be at the park with my kids. I'd get the email like, fuck, and run home and be like, uh, 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 okay, and then run back to the park, and my kids are probably dead at that point. Uh, but, uh, but we made that, like, oh, it was one of the most amazing collaborations I ever had, and uh, if you're a fan of it, uh, the Relapse just put a, the vinyl out, which James has, right? James, is it here right now? Where is it? 
Oh, it's in the car. You're just like, that was your cue. You're supposed to hold it up like fucking Lion King and shit. God damn it, James. We were saying uh, Boo Earns on that one. Boo Earns. <laughs> um, but, yeah, okay, so Dave Matthews Band. Um, so that whole scene in the bathroom, uh, that, that's my favorite scene in the movie primarily because it wasn't in the script. Uh, in the script, it said, interior, bathroom, they wait. Next scene. <laughs> that was it. And because we had such an amazing chemistry, like just a great relationship with both Steven and Samara and myself, it was, it, we were the fucking three amigos, just without the hats. And they, they were just so great to work with and they were so awesome together. Like you just tell, we were just, we were having a great time and, and they, were, they were friends. And when we were shooting that, that whole thing was shot in one location in, a, in a, an industrial park in, again, lovely Belgrade, Serbia. Um, it was a working office too. So there are people who are like actually working at these tech offices, walking by, and there's just people bloody and fucking shit. I actually heard somebody go like, fucking Americans, you know, <laughs> like typical. Um, but uh, so one day we were shooting, and um, it, one of the things that my, my DP and I started doing was we would pre-light for the next day. Because usually what happens is you land on set, you block it out, and then the actors go away for makeup, and then the, the, the DP and the gaffer and everybody, they have at least anywhere from 30 minutes to an hour. If you're painting with light and you have you know, five days to shoot one scene, then you take longer. But in, no, most times you have like anywhere from like half an hour to 90 minutes to light a scene. So what we started doing to be proactive was, fuck it, let's, let's just block it and light it the night before so we can land, everybody's ready, let's fucking go. So we ended up going up to the bathroom and we were kind of blocking out the scene and, and usually you use stand-ins. And Steven and Samara's van had not shown up yet, so they were like, fuck it, let's just go hang out. They're like, we'll go upstairs. So they went upstairs, we all hung out, and while they're standing there, I go, Top three bands go. Top three bands go. And we just had that actual conversation. And what was fascinating was Samara does not know what the fuck early anthrax is. <laughs> but she did her research and she knew kind of the character that I was going for and that's what came out of her mouth. Now, if you asked her, you know, which is your favorite anthrax album? And she'd be like, what the fuck is persistence of time? And I was like, she would no fucking clue. DRI, she'd think it was a venereal disease. Um, but she just knew her shit, and same with Steven. And that whole conversation down to the Dave Matthews band was just, it was coming from their characters. It was not coming from them. And that was fucking so inspiring. So I quickly ran home. I didn't run home, but I, I finally got home, wrote out that three-page scene, came back the next day, handed them three pages. Now, if you do that to most actors, they will kill you. <laughs> you don't just go, good morning, everybody. Here you go. And they, like, seriously, the three pages of dialogue, all dialogue. Like, that's, that's sometimes death. But because Steven had worked six, seven seasons on The Walking Dead, and he's doing 11, 12 pages a day, and Samara had done Ash vs. Evil Dead and a ton of TV before, they looked at it and went, okay, good. And they just, and that's the scene you have. So that's awesome. Great. Oh my God, it's so true and it's, it's funny and everything. But then when I got back uh, from Serbia to shoot, Josh, the editor, thought it would be hilarious to put Dave Matthews Band as the post-coital sex scene song. <laughs> and I'm like, ha, 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 we're never going to afford that. Um, because uh, a lot of times when you hear a Dave Matthews Band or any like big band in a movie, it's my entire budget. Like, I'm not kidding. I'm not, I'm not 
like shitting you. It, it's it's expensive, and the actor and the the artists know it, and the managers know it, and they can charge a premium. Uh, luckily, because uh, you know, with with Faith No More, for example, I had done a music video for them, and they're my favorite band of all time. So you guys pick your favorite <laughs> band of all time. Imagine working with your favorite band of all time. Ugh. Um, it, it's it's amazing, and uh, and they were so cool. They they gave me that song for free. I probably shouldn't be saying that, but that's true. They were just like, you did such a great job for us here. That's fucking amazing, man. Like that's what it's all about. And and then w th that was not how Dave Matthews Band went down. <laughs> but I was like, you know what? At the very least, what's the worst that they could say? They could say no. So we just started making those conversations happen and lo and behold there was there was interest there was like oh maybe then so i had started to call every single person in his management company and they had kind of tipped it off that he was going to be playing f 6 hours away up north in california and i'm like what time what time does he go on what time is the end what time will he be backstage i will be there in 6 hours and I got in my car and I was dry, I was like on the road ready to drive six hours to get on my knees and go, please, Dave Matthews, it's for my art. <laughs> because when I put it in and we showed it and we tested it, it got laughs. I'm like, fuck. Because when I told my producers and I showed it to them, they did the same thing. I'm like, ha, 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 we're not paying for that. And then we tested it. And I looked at them when that happened and, and they went, ha, ha, shit. <laughs> because when we put something else in, it just did not get the same response. So long story short, I'm in the car ready to drive up to Mountain View, California, and I get a call from the manager and they say, stop, turn around, we'll, we'll, we'll negotiate, just please don't come up here. <laughs> please don't come up, you're good, we'll, we'll make it work. And, uh, and, and Dave personally kind of gave us his, his steel, seal of approval and that's why that's in there, so. Yeah, it's it's it just it just goes to show if you care enough about stop stop if you care enough about like if you if you have that much conviction over anything like a detail like that like a song or an acting choice or a line of dialogue or the color on a mug if you really care that much and people see how much you care they might they might hook you up many times no don't go out and start don't please don't harass Dave Matthews like, please. I know you all want Crash in your next film. Like, just trust Crash. me. Lady Bird did it already. You can't use it. Um, but, uh, but yeah, it's just it, you got to show the passion behind it. And sometimes people are cool with it. Very awesome. Um, one thing that I love about seeing movies in the theater is you get to see all the background shenanigans. Oh, and yeah. you, this has tons of background shenanigans. So my question is, were you like... And eh, do whatever. We're like, you, you two, fuck. You put a bunch of donuts on the counter. You put post-it notes all over your ass. So you saw the behind the scenes. <laughs> <laughs> fuck those donuts! Uh, fun fact, you cannot get donuts very easily in Serbia. What, what is this uh, pastry with holes? What the fuck is this? I do not know. Because you know you, what happens. You see people like using like these, uh, like, what was it, like shot glasses to puncture croissants, and that's how they made donuts for the day. Yeah, Serbian donuts. Um, yeah, all the, all the people in the background, um, again, this was made in Serbia, so I, I'd say 90% of the cast and crew were Serbian, who did not speak English, in which most times they were looking at me wildly gesticulating, going like, this fucking crazy guy. Um, so, so all of the extras are Serbian, and, uh, and I had an amazing AD crew um, so you have your first AD, and then you have your second AD, and then you have your second second. And the second second is the one that's usually talking to the, the actors, the extras. The first AD is dealing with the actors. The second's kind of the intermediate. And uh, 
so when we did that, uh, we've we got all these great Serbian extras. And the problem was it became a, a game of telephone because we're like, all right, I need that guy to be drinking, you know, uncontrollably and, and then hitting himself over the head with a stapler. Great. That went to the first AD. The first AD talked to the second AD and the second AD talked to the second second. And by the time it got to the second second, now these two people are having sex. <laughs> How did that happen? Doesn't matter. Roll camera. Uh, but yeah, those two people in the background, uh, funny, funny enough, so I was shooting that shot where uh, Steven is talking right to camera. Um, so now I'm in the uh, camera union, yay, uh, off of my iPhone. Um, so we're shooting that, and we didn't tell them to do that. All I said was, I need a couple that can like make out. That was really what it was. Next thing you know, my first AD goes, do you smell that? <laughs> what are you talking about? It's like. There's a funky smell in here. Okay. Second take. Okay. It smells like sex in here. <laughs> and those, those people, now they were a couple. So they, like, they were just like, well, we, my penis was here. Her vagina was there. <laughs> we love each other. I, lo I love her sex. And, and they, they fucking went at it. So... I'm not gonna look. I'm a filmmaker, man. Like I, I'm, I'm there to capture the moment. So, uh, roll count. Did I lose you over the sex scene? God damn it. God damn it. I tried. Um, so yeah. So I, so technically, I made a, a very small 30 second porno and just kind of wrapped a bunch of shit around it. That was, that was, that was my goal there. But, uh, but yeah, all the extras were great. Uh, and it's, it's so funny because I find new things all the time when I'm looking in the background. Um, but there was a lot of times we had to cut around because some, sometimes there's one lady who's like hitting herself over the head with a monitor. She's not hitting. Like, she's like <laughs> four inches away. <laughs> and she'd look into the camera like, he's good? <laughs> no, he's not good. He's not good at all. You've ruined an entire take because there's a lady shaking a monitor like this. <laughs> yeah, it was weird. Beijing Mr. Herman. Mr. Herman, you haven't called at the front desk. Yeah. So we need to wrap up this Q&A really quick because this is not the only bit of taste, and I do stress taste, of Joe Lynch that you're getting this evening. Um, we are going to be showing his wraparound segment from the anthology Chillerama, which is entitled Zombie. And I would like Zombie to Zombie movie. movie. And I'd like to say this entire row here, you guys are going to be kind of our unofficial Gallagher. Oh, it's the splash zone. Yeah, it's like sorry. Yup. So because just I bring don't your know tarps. If it's you just guys be seen... me like a monkey throwing feces and cum the whole time, it's going to be great. And I would like to stress the cum on that. So if you could just briefly tell yes. us a little bit about zombie movie. Okay. So when I was a little kid, that's never when you, that's not not what you want to start a story like this. <laughs> when I was a little kid, uh, my first movie was Dawn of the Dead. I was two. Woo. <laughs> I'm dead serious. My, my mom took me to see Dawn of the Dead when I was two. Um, she couldn't find a babysitter. <laughs> when there's no more room in the crib. Okay. <laughs> so I was such a fan of that movie, and I remember, God, I remember sitting in class one day, and this stupid fucking thing came into my head. When there's no more room in hell, the dead shall fuck the earth. <laughs> I was like eight. What the fuck was I thinking back then? Uh, but but that always just stuck in my head. So when um, Adam Rifkin and Tim Sullivan uh, got together with Adam Green and I, and we sat down and they had this idea for this anthology and they brought up this idea of, all right, so the whole thing's going to take place in the drive-in and there's going to be zombies involved. 
And I just immediately, I was at the Rainbow uh, Bar and Grill, and I just went, stop, I got that one, that Colin Dibbs. And I just went, when there's no more room in hell, the dead shall fuck the earth. <laughs> and watching Adam Rifkin kind of go like, man, that's fucked up. Like, so this, uh, okay, so Knights of Ben Aston was such an awful experience. I had, it, like, I, I almost quit filmmaking. I almost quit life. Um, it was one of the hardest moments of my life. It was bad. And I came back from that a fucking husk of a human being. It was, it was terrible. And um, when, uh, when this opportunity came along, I was able to shoot my section of, um, of Chillerama right after. And the difference between what the experience of Knights of Bad Aston was to what zombie movie was, was I was just kind of left alone. And, and that's not... It's not to say like every filmmaker should be like not told no and just kind of be like let to his own devices and just kind of do whatever they want. You need you need people to say no. You need people to say like uh 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 or like man man that might be too many dicks. Um, <laughs> that conversation happened a lot on Zombie Movie. Um, there's a lot of dicks in this movie, um, but I, the the difference between the, the the tourniquet of creativity that I had on nights and the freedom that I had on Zombie Movie. Now again, we were given fifty nine cents and a roll of duct tape to make to make what we had on all of the the features on all the shorts. So we were pulling every favor possible, like doing everything we can to put as much on screen as possible. We killed ourselves for this, but the artistic license that we were given to, to basically do whatever the fuck we want because we had no money and no one was kind of babysitting us, it reinvigorated my feeling to make films again. Now, you haven't seen that yet, so, you know, so when you watch it, you go, really, Lynch, this? But when, you, when you're an, like an, uh, an artist or whatever and you're being able to like, express yourself in a way, like, this is a family affair. My wife's in it. My wife plays A.J. Bowen's uh, um, uh, wife in this. My uh, my now eight year old son Remy is in this, and yes, he he he's gonna have some therapy to go to in a couple <laughs> years. Um, there, there's my my sister in laws in this. There's so many of our friends and family in this. So, um, but now what you're gonna see is this is all the wraparounds that were cut together without the shorts. So you'll kind of feel a little bit of how the shorts kind of play, but we're not playing the entire short. So this is about 45 minutes. It gets to the come a lot faster. Trust me. Um, <laughs> this is the Gonzo version of of, uh, of Chillerama, if you will. Um, but I'm really proud of it because it's it is my homage to uh, '80s uh, kind of '80s splatter movies. Um, it's very much an homage to like Joe Dante um, and and the kind of the fun tone that you would have in in movies back in the day. And uh, because each of the films were supposed to be a certain era, um, Wear Bears was like kind of playing the Godzilla movies of the '50s and um, I was a teenage werebear, was playing off of the like Frankie Valley and the surf movies of the 60s, and Green was working off of the 40s movies, but also kind of like what, what Mel Brooks was doing in the 70s with Young Frankenstein. So to me, I'm like, well, great, I get to make the 80s movie that I never got to make. And, uh, and yeah, and you were about to watch that. Um, also, my apologies in advance for defecation. That's all I'm gonna say, but again, like, if you don't wanna talk to me again, I totally <laughs> understand. Uh, but again, look guys, um, we don't get these experiences often, both as filmmakers, but also as audience members, to have a night together, you know? So cherish this moment now, because it's gonna go away very soon, and you will be telling your kids someday, 
I watched zombie movie in the theater. No, guys, come back, come back. And I'm not, I'm not, no, damn it. So please enjoy your night and uh, enjoy your entire pa like Panic Fest experience. Uh, there's some great shit tomorrow. Mom and dad is playing. Fucking Low Life is playing tomorrow. If you guys don't go see that, you're all fucked. Um, but then there's also the movie Crypt. So if you really miss that, then you're fucked. really fucked. Because we got a lot of good stuff. Um, Thank you. Thank you so much for this experience. This was awesome. And, uh, and uh, Oh, by the way, Victor Crowley's playing tomorrow. Woo! Uh, thank you. This was awesome. And, uh, and it's only night one. So have a good night, everybody. Give it Ladies up. Ladies and gentlemen, Joe Lynch. The modern master of mayhem. So seriously, I don't think you all are ready for zombie movies. You're going to get to prepare yourself. Yeah, because you're going to get ooey and gooey. It's going to be awesome. So we're ready for zombie movie.